Hello, hello. Welcome to the Life Like a Movie podcast. I'm very happy you're here. As you know, this podcast is about two things. One, how to eliminate unnecessary suffering. And two, how can we squeeze the juice out of life? And I've had my fair share of unnecessary suffering. In fact, truth be told, I still go through it. And for me, this is a project that I get to do to meet other people that can help me and through that, help other people eliminate their unnecessary suffering and to squeeze the juice out of life. And today we have an amazing guest, you guys, Christina Athena. And she is amazing because uh, she is helping us consciously evolve and heal, to put it in her words. And for me, this is powerful because I'm opening up my own consciousness and my own spirituality as of late. And I think everybody can benefit from this because it's um, dramatically changed my life. And I know millions of others. So this is a very powerful podcast. I'm so excited for you guys. Uh, And without further ado, let's dive into Christina's world. Well, uh, just to start off, I always I always record an intro for the before and after. So I, I usually just like to get right into the questions just to save some time. Sure. Um, so if you wouldn't mind starting off by sharing a little bit about your journey, because we all have a pretty, uh, pretty cool journey that tends to lead us where we are and what we're interested in. So how did you get into doing what you do and share with the audience what you do? Sure. Um, okay. So I help people consciously heal and evolve through their relationships. Um, which is kind of like, what does that even mean exactly? But basically, <laughs> I, I help to teach people to become more present to dissolve their mental emotional patterns that keep them repeating the same sort of cycles and tendencies within oh, relationship. Yeah. yeah, so that's awesome. Um, I actually I actually kind of use relationship as like the shiny object. I, of course, am really interested in helping mm-hmm. people with their partnerships, but I'm more interested in helping people evolve and to become more aligned with consciousness to help the planet. Um, oh, interesting. So, okay. Yeah. So I. So how did I get into this? Well, it's kind of a hybrid of things. Um, years ago, my mom passed away, and it was a very sudden experience that really sort of um, helped all of my own personal structures temporary collapse in that moment where my mind went quiet, and I really became aware on like a body level that this is the only moment that exists. And everything else is a mental story where I was kind of in this moment, you know, watching her literally on her deathbed, looking at her arm hair blowing in the air conditioning, like, this is the only moment that's real. It doesn't matter about what happened. There's no future here. It was just very pointed in that sense where it's, it it sort of started to shake me awake on some level. Mm. Um, And, you know, it didn't stay. It didn't last where I entered this in love lightened state or anything, but it did show me that it was possible to live in a space outside of my mind. And after that experience, my mind started getting really aggressive and intense. And so I kind of went on a journey in learning how to become more present and sort of dissolve my attachment to it. And um, I sort of imagined that I arrived at some higher state yet again. And then I entered my relationship about two years ago with my best friend of 10 years. And he lovingly mirrored back to me, like, you actually have a lot more shit to work on than you think you do. (laughs) And so I found myself kind of caught in what I call the awareness phase, where I was aware of all my Mm -hmm. triggers and my projections and the past and all the things. And I didn't know how to move through them. And so, yeah. And so I actually created tools for myself um, to help me do that, which actually led me to being in this place for real and now I use it Mm. to teach other people how to do the same 
Well, that's beautiful. That sounds like exactly what I probably could use and a lot of others as well. <laughs> like, I find it so interesting that you mentioned uh, being aware of our triggers, but then that's, that's like step number one, like awareness is number one. But then number two is to like, how can you actually get through them? I think that's super powerful. And something else I thought was extremely powerful was that experience with your mom. Like I, I, that must have been such an intense experience. And you said it happened suddenly too. And I mean, to have to deal with that at a younger age, maybe, um, that's, that's just, that sounds so powerful and how that brought you into the present. And I was like, was that like your first moment of like intense awareness of the now? Oh yeah. And I had yeah. been reading, um, Eckhart Tolle has been my oh, only my God. author yes. mentor. Yeah. I've been reading him since 2011, but oh, wow. this, so my mom died in 2014. So even though I had read it many times and, you know, probably quoted it on my Facebook or whatever at the time, I had no <laughs> idea. It wasn't embodying it at all. Like I, I, I liked the concepts. Uh -huh. So yeah, when that happened, it was like something just clicked and shifted into place. Um, I think because it was like my mom and I had a very tumultuous relationship and this was sort of the moment where I was like crying like I forgive you forgive me who fucking cares none of this matters and mm -hmm. and kind of chiseling that awareness but yeah like I said it's something that I really had to and still have to work on it I you know I'm not Eckhart Tolle and so <laughs> it didn't just happen for me in one yeah. moment and then kind of stay in that space forever so it's really been like a continual choosing moment by moment. Wow. Okay. There's a, there's a lot in that there. Um, so the, the thing that interested me the most was that, uh, and I'm, I'm the same way. I'm kind of in that early phase where like, I understand the concepts. I believe the concepts, but Eckhart says it's one thing to believe it. And then there's another thing to like feel it in your bones, like, um, mm -hmm. almost like the experiential knowledge. I think there's theoretical and experiential. I think both are very important. So that's, I'm, I'm glad you brought that up. That's something I'm just learning right now. Um, and interestingly enough, uh, when you said like, when you went through this crazy phase, I'm curious about that. So you said that um, you for, you forgive your mom, like forgive me, and you like had all these thoughts, and then you ended up saying nothing matters. What did you mean by that? <sighs> I meant um, I had a really painful childhood because I imagined that my mom was doing things to hurt me, and I didn't realize mm. at the time, you know, she was just reacting unconsciously from her own pain and recreating her own trauma. Um, and just, you know, what literally watching somebody die, realizing like, what the fuck were we even fighting about? What were we so yeah, upset about? Wow. Like, we take it so seriously that we think this reality is the only thing. And when we're in our minds, it's really hard to let go and be more fluid in response to things that happen in the physical world until you're watching somebody die. And, and it, it is, it's like mm. an experiential thing in your body. You just feel it. I can't explain what it means. It may sound like this cool spiritual thing, but yeah. it's really this feeling of there is no other moment. It's just that your mind is too loud that you can't feel the fullness of what it is right now to understand that anything outside of this moment is an illusion. Yeah. Oh man, that's so true. Um, funny enough, I, I asked because um, about, four months ago now it was in november i lived with monks for about two weeks and it was it was life-changing no doubt but funny enough the one like there was many lessons i learned there but the one underlying message from of, of all of it and the one thing i could not get out of my head was that nothing matters and like when, people, <laughs> when like when people would ask me like it's just like no, like 99.9999 percent of things do not matter like yeah, so it kind of helped me not take life so seriously, which I think is nice. And that doesn't mean complacency, but more just so like 
Like there's hard, like I just have never found a good reason to ever be anxious about anything or to mm. worry about anything or like there's never actually a good reason. Um, which which to for people listening to this podcast, I actually talk, bring up anxiety and depression a fair amount. And so for them, it might seem like, well, what are you talking about, dude? Like, because it seems so real to us. But I just found that um, and there's obviously, you know, um, chemical reactions in our brains that might might be different person to person. But um, yeah, it just seems like not a whole lot actually matters when you really think about it. And like having an experience like a family member dying, I've heard is a, is a way that we really um, put things into perspective. Because when you when we have a big shock like that, um, like we can change in an instant. So, mm. yeah, I, th- I thought that was very powerful. Yeah. And I, I appreciate the vulnerability sharing that. So thank you. <laughs> That's really nice. Yeah. Um, so second question I have is where does where does um, healing begin? Like, I know it starts in awareness, but like, I'd love for you to give the listeners like some context of what that looks like, because like we can like read an Eckhart Tolle book. We can, you know, read a few quotes and they might inspire us for a little bit, but I really want the listeners to have, and myself included, have like a practical, real way that we can start our healing. Mm. Well, I'll start by saying something pretty radical that okay. I only use the word healing because it resonates with people on a certain level, but okay. I don't really believe that there's any healing to be done because Interesting. We've, we've kind of had this idea in our minds, like I'm wounded, I'm broken, I'm still healing. And it's like, if you were really, if there was a real wound, mm. it would have already healed by now. So it's not so much that we're healing as it is that we're stuck in delusion of our mental, emotional patterns and ideas. So Really, it's about becoming intensely present and being able to witness these things as they come up, these thoughts, Uh, these energies, these emotions, and creating space around them to be able to experience yourself as consciousness beyond your human form. So, I mean, I think what's really been helpful for me, which is what I teach in my coaching and my courses, is about being in your body. So like something I practice day to day is consciously breathing and feeling the inner energy of my body. So like I focus on what can I feel in my hands and my feet right now to ground me in this moment, um, which also helps a lot with triggers. And it doesn't work every time. Obviously, you're going to get taken over. It's really conditioned. But if you can feel like if you're spending a lot of time in your body, you know your own energy. It's like your home. You're the master. So when something comes along that triggers you, it's kind of like someone turned the air conditioning on in the house. You feel it right away. And you can put your attention on that sensation before it turns into an emotion and takes you over and sort of recreates the past. Yes. So I'm not really a fan of adding more mind noise or mantras or ideas or steps. It's really just about breaking your attachment to the mental emotional patterns that exist in the illusion of yourself and time. That makes so much sense. Wow, that that is awesome. <laughs> That's so cool. It's challenging uh, though, you know. It's it, people. Yeah. It's it's definitely not like get it, got it, good. <laughs> <laughs> well, I was I was gonna say when you said um to uh to notice that that negative emotion, let's say when some when something triggers us, and then just be present with it. I was like, whole because I've tried that before, and sometimes it's like this is not working, <laughs> and yeah. and, and I and I, yeah. and I lose it, and um and so. It's very tough, I find, as I practice to not become identified with the emotion. And I think that that's, um, that's very important for a lot of us because, I mean, I am nowhere near enlightened. And I think that 
a lot of us, especially just starting out, are going to have a tough... Because I've been doing this stuff for a good while now, and I still find that I struggle with, like, keeping my awareness on the present, like, constantly having to bring it back. And for me, it seems like the only the only way to actually accomplish accomplish this is to like just literally practice nonstop and to like mm, mm. like and I think and I think people just don't want to hear that. I think that people want to like the three steps to happiness guide, you know. <laughs> but I think that like it yeah. it just seems to just take practice, practice, practice. Like so, like how would somebody practice um, uh, noticing their emotion and then just being with it? Because I'm still trying to work on like just being with the emotion, like. Do you try to go to a place of no thought? Like, how do you, how do you do it? So my mind is almost completely still for the most part. Um, sometimes I do have thoughts, but I don't really go into them. So okay. it's sort of like my energy is like, I'm too busy being in this moment to entertain whatever story my mind is, is kind of like playing. So okay. I find that yes, I'll still have triggers. And sometimes they do take me over. It's very rare. And if they do, it's very short lived where before I may be upset about something for days or weeks. And now it's like a minute, yes. two minutes. Yeah. Um, but, but the difference is because I spend so much time in my body, because I'm not constantly trapped in thought and illusion and making meaning of things, when I have this sensation in my body, I go into my body and I allow it to be there. So what I mean by that and is kind of it's so hard to explain but I, I'll try anyway yeah <laughs> when, <laughs> when these feelings come up if it's quote-unquote sadness like all sensations are neutral but your brain is labeling them and that's the emotion that you're identifying with so say quote-unquote sadness comes up in my body I have a thought about my mom I don't become the sadness meaning that I think about it I go into the stories I cry but I allow it to be there so me being okay. the space behind the emotion, I feel it without creating a mental story about it. And I focus my attention on that sensation and I breathe through it until it releases. So it's really about being like an open channel for the thoughts and the emotions and the sensations to move through you without creating meaning and resisting and attaching to them. Okay. Okay. So to, so to notice the thoughts and to, to be with them, but something that like seems like a good um practice you said is to breathe breathe through it so just focusing on your breath and just allowing allowing the thoughts to be there but, fo mm -hmm. but focusing on the breath is like a, a main practice somebody could do oh yeah I mean I I focused on breathing for a year straight before I implemented literally anything else because wow. my mind was so wild I, I went the hardcore route like I didn't listen to music <laughs> I didn't read books I mm. I was like I'm not taking anything in I no just way. want to focus on on breathing. And, wow. you know, it's people have a lot of resistance. A lot of my clients have told me in the beginning, like, Christina, this is bullshit. Breathing, there's no way it's going to do anything. And then a few weeks in, they're like, oh, my God, <laughs> because what it does is it calms down your nervous system. And it also in time helps to create a space between your thoughts. So once you are able to experience that space, it's peace, it's freedom. And you realize the situation isn't what's causing you stress or suffering, it's your thoughts. And so once you kind of are able to carve out even that tiny little slice, even if it's for half a second, then you start sort of craving it and it gets bigger mm. and bigger and bigger. And that becomes your home. So then a thought comes by and you're like, why would I want to go into illusion? I'm cutting carrots yeah. right now. You know what I mean? Like, yes. you're just like, I don't want to think about having a million dollars or not having a million dollars. I'm cutting fucking carrots. Yeah. And it kind of becomes more of your natural way of being 
that being said, in the beginning, I always tell people, don't expect to find that miracle. Like it took me a long time of dedication. So I just suggest like practice five minutes in the morning or five minutes at night. And if you can look for the space, great. But if you have a very overactive mind, more likely than not, there's going to be no space at all. And the intention is just to commit to breathing to make it a practice so that it becomes part of your day so that can yes. happen in time. Ah, uh, yes. Okay. I love that. Wow, there was so much in there. Um Yeah, I think that's I think that's really great as a starting as a starting point is just to focus on breathing. I think that might have actually benefited me when I started out cuz I didn't I didn't I always thought like a meditation just felt better for me when I had like when it was guided or if I had like a little bit of like guitar music in the background or like <laughs> some kind of like nice vibe, you know, which which I still do enjoy, but um the silence is actually the, the real magic I find. Um and so I think that that'd be a great practice to start. I think that's so profound that you didn't have any, like didn't read any books or any, any other um, uh, input aside from just focusing on your breath. That's so cool to me. Uh, I don't know if I have the discipline to do that. I just, I feel like I want to just know something more or something. But um, yeah, so I think that that's a great practice because I was talking to a friend of mine who, or an old, a newfound friend of mine who I kind of detached from a little bit. And then a few years later, we kind of reconnected and I was talking to him about these things. He, like, he was asking me questions about this topic specifically. And I was talking about creating space from our thoughts and how, you know, how thoughts and awareness is actually two different things. And, um, and, and it, I was like talking complete gibberish. Like it was like, <laughs> and, um, and like, he said that, like, I, it's not like me, like, um, like trying to sound super smart or anything. I was like, it was just complete gibberish. But when you're talking to me, like now I can understand it. Cause even me, like three years ago, this conversation wouldn't have been, wouldn't have hit me in the way that it's hitting me now. And so um, I think that I'm really glad that you said just focusing on your breath. And that's what you did for a full year. Um, I think that's a very powerful tool for the listeners to start. If you're just starting or if this conversation sounds like gibberish to you, because um, it'll make like the more you get the experiential knowledge through meditation and breathing, I find conversations like this make um, like 10 times more sense, way more than any yeah. words. Any, any more than any words could ever uh, like try to make sense to you. Yeah. So yeah, For that's sure. I, I think it's an awesome tip. Yeah. I, I mean, like I said, I read The Power of Now. God, I must have read it like 15 times between 2011 and now. And wow. there were so many parts where, you know, in the beginning, I was, I was like 20, 21. And yeah. I didn't know what it meant at all. I was just reading it. And there was this part of me behind the part of me that had no mm -hmm. freaking idea that was yeah. like, this is interesting. And then I kind of put it down and forgot about it. And maybe I picked yeah. it up again, like I said, and I, oh, cool, I like that quote. And then I was probably in the idea of like, be present. Yeah, life is just now. But <laughs> it wasn't, I wasn't living it at all. And so I yeah. kept going back to it where then I started to understand it conceptually. And then I started to live it a little bit. Then I started to live it a little bit more. And then I really started to live it. And now every time, even when I go back now, it goes deeper and deeper and deeper where I'm like, I definitely don't remember ever hearing about this part. And it's because, you know, I didn't fully understand it certain moments. So it, it's sort of like a spiral, like it comes in waves. And I don't find that, you know, I've evolved it, I so freaking much in my life. I don't even recognize myself. But do I still have some of my human tendencies to work through? Yeah, I do. And so I find it really powerful to go back to this work. But like you said, yeah, if you don't have the experience in living it, it's not real for you. But on the other hand, if you're not aware of the information, 
you, you also probably won't just stumble into awareness. You know, most people, mm. uh, unless you are like at Eckhart Tolle and you have that sort of <laughs> moment, like most people will just stay in their own stuff. So I think it's helpful to um, participate yeah. at your own level in your own time and, and kind of, you know, I always tell my clients, like, even if you don't fully understand, it's okay. Just let it marinate. And then later down the line, they're like, oh, I know what she was talking about now. Mm. Yeah, that's a super powerful concept. Not like needing to, no, to like have something physical right here. I think that's where like, I've, I'll use my brother. My brother's a perfect example. He's like a very like engineer, like science guy. Like I got to see it right now. Like I need to see the like step one, two and three. But I think intuition is very powerful and just having a little bit of faith, a little bit of trust and a good feeling. And even if we don't understand it now um, to just to just trust how we feel. And, and that's enough, I think, to mm-hmm. make it a worthwhile endeavor. So, yeah, yeah, I think that's, that's that's very cool. So I'm assuming you think that like, developing a spiritual practice is essential to to like healing, healing like, any like emotion, mental, emotional wounds. Is that true? No, maybe not essential, but do you think it'd be overly beneficial? You know, I think it depends on where somebody is at. Like I've had mm, many different okay. quote unquote practices in my journey and someone could say, well, the journaling and the affirmations and the, the books, they helped you get there. And to that, I'd say they really didn't. Um, they oh, were, <laughs> they didn't specifically lead me there. They were just part of my path. Um, it was only when I really dissolved all ideas and attachments to concepts and labels that I really began to evolve. So when people ask what my spiritual practice is, my spiritual practice is breathing, feeling the energy in my body, becoming aware of what's happening in my internal experience and curious about the ways in which I'm um, labeling and judging reality based on how I'm thinking and feeling um, and continually crafting that awareness to notice when I cut myself off. Like this happened last night. You know, like I said, I don't really go into triggers too much, but sometimes I do. And so I really use them as an understanding, like not to judge myself or the experience or the person or to blame them, but to become aware that I left my body. I don't have a fucking chance in hell if I leave my body. So my practices Mm -hmm. are all about being in my body. So feeling the energy, kind of getting familiar with my breathing and anchoring myself in the present moment. Um, And, you know, like I said, everyone's at a different place. So I never want to tell people what to do unless they're my clients or they're taking my course and they're paying me to, to learn what I know. And then I'm saying, don't do any of that shit. It's just more mind noise. It's more concepts. So Uh, I I think that a lot of people like to use words (laughs) and ideas and affirmations to sort of like build this beautiful castle of positivity. But I want to burn the whole thing down. So you don't Mm, need all of that to feel good and safe and and basically dissolving your attachment to needing the world to be a certain way to feel at peace. Interesting. Because even if, say we like, I'm, I'm one that practices you know, like I am affirmations or any, any of any of those things, is that, would that be like another concept, like another ideal that we're, like another, another um, identity that we're living into? Like, would that just yeah. be another concept? It's ego. That's so funny. Yeah, that's so funny <laughs> how that works. Okay. But it's people, but that's the thing is people try to cover up this, the quote unquote negative aspects of their ego, which Ego mm. doesn't really have any positive aspects. I mean, it's not a negative thing. It it's just not negative is. or positive. Yeah. Right. Yeah. But people it. want to try to change the ego to override those sort of tendencies and thoughts 
to become more of a positive thing. But that's just the nature of the ego is separation, judgment, analysis, duality. That's what gives mm. us our human identity. So as long if you're unless you're naked living in the woods without a house and a bank account and a job, like you have an ego. It's just right. about detaching and dissolving your identity from your mind to be able to kind of discern between it. Okay. That's that's very interesting. I mean that that used to be me, absolutely. And maybe even still to a certain extent if I'm like I might be missing something, but um uh just my own uh, um my own uh, mental illness, let's just say. I used to struggle with an eating disorder. And I used to try to like change these things about myself and then it it like it ended up just becoming worse and worse because I mean as Eckhart Tolle says what what we resist persists um and so you know um acceptance just seems to be like the golden nugget of everything like (laughs) just (laughs) accepting what is because you can't change it and even labeling it positive or negative never seems to um lead lead to anything necessarily sustainable and I want to I'm curious to know what you do as far as not labeling um things like do you like not label like everything like i I, i'd like to get a little bit more i'd like to hear your perspective on what you label what you don't label what that means to you yeah um i mean like i said i still i've come such a long way but i still have human tendencies here and there so if i'm not fully in my body yeah i can pass a judgment on someone or something but I come back to it as soon as I feel it. Oh, I'm creating a personal health for myself. Everything is neutral. <laughs> and I can tell where my energy is at and where my level of consciousness is based on the story I'm telling myself about this. So last night, such a silly thing, but I got very annoyed because I went to get brownie batter for my boyfriend and I. I was all excited to make them, made yeah. the brownies. They came out of the oven and I was like, oh, the internet says I'm supposed to let them cool for 30 minutes. I'm going to go upstairs and let them cool. Like, let me know when the oven goes off. I'll come down and cut them. And he sent me like a, a gif of somebody opening an oven of brownies. And I was just like, haha, yeah, I'll be down soon to cut them. And then I came downstairs and he was already eating them. And I got super triggered. Where I was like, I've been fucking waiting for 30 minutes to cut them. Why don't you tell me you're already eating them? And he's like, I sent you the gif. And I'm like, those weren't words. That I didn't know that's what that meant. And I felt myself getting that tension and that anger. And I just witnessed it like, oh, Christina, you're creating suffering for yourself. There's nothing (laughs) wrong with anything that he did. But I had this story in my mind of like, well, I was waiting and it was selfish and how rude and how couldn't he? And, And so we had this little discord where I really had to go in and kind of clear my own energy and my own process because I could feel that there was that yeah. tightness. So the, the difference is that, yeah, sometimes I do label things unconsciously, but then I come back to see it always. I never stay in the label or judgment and kind of carry it like the day later, like we need to talk about the brownies. Like I'm like <laughs> realizing that, that I created yeah. that. And so more often than not, I'm able to be neutral to understand Um, When there's an emotion or a thought that comes up about something like, oh, I'm creating meaning of this. But sometimes it still does take me over. And the work is in realizing afterwards, like, oh, shit, I left my body and I created a story that caused suffering for me and somebody else. Back to the breath, back to my energy. Interesting. No kidding. I think that's that's a powerful story, because even though it might seem like to the listener, like a a really small thing, like, like, dude, like he, like, like he just cut the brownies. Obviously, it, it goes, it goes, a, it goes a lot deeper than just brownies. Like, it's not the what, it's the why, right? But, um, yeah, yeah I think, I think that's a, a really fantastic story because I, I can think for myself, like, 
like little small things. Anyways, so what I'm leading into is, is it not enough to, um, to just accept it, not label it like, okay, he cut the brownies, like, and then just like not think anything else of it. Or would it be beneficial for us to actually label it, but label it, po- like put a positive swing on it, like, as opposed to like, you know, allowing like the negativity to come like, damn, I was like, I was planning on cutting the brownies, think, oh, that's so nice. Like he cut the brownies for me. That's really nice of him. Like is, is, is labeling it positively like a, a good way to go or is just no label at all, like not positive or negative, just come down and like eat the brownies as if nothing happened. <laughs> Again, it really depends on where you are. Um, first of all, he did not cut the brownies for me. He just ate, he was eating them out of the pan by himself. He didn't even cut the brownies. That... No, he didn't, he didn't. <laughs> and then later I was like, did you put the brownies away? And he's like, I didn't know you were supposed to put them away. They're on the kitchen table. Um, so I had a lot of my own shit to work through. Where I was like, yeah. it's all good. My mind is making a thing. Um, but yeah, they're all small things is the thing, no matter even if you think oh, it's big or small, God, which is dude. why I want to share the brownie thing is because it's like your mind wants to make it a big thing. And to someone else who's listening, they're like, why is this girl crazy? It's just freaking brownies. But it's like, it's not me. That's my conditioned mind having that story. And it's what people do all day long. So it's not about big things or small things. They're all small things in real life, but to the ego, they're all huge. So mm. in terms of creating a label or not, you know, Maybe for some people in the beginning, it's helpful if they need a little crutch to kind of question their um, projection and to say something like, you know what, it's great that I have a partner who loves my brownies and he's excited to share them and there's still brownies left. Like if they want to do that to kind of help them to step away from the egoic tendencies. But eventually, if you really want to evolve to this point of being able to be free, you have to really be able to stop creating stories altogether because Mm -hmm. if you are creating quote unquote positive stories um within the absence of that is also the seed of the unwanted quote unquote the quote unquote negative so as an example i also had an experience one week in my business where um i made a lot of money and it was really exciting because i was like how cool I'm making way more money than I've ever made at any job doing what I love and it's flowing in and I'm helping people, which felt great. Yeah. But then oh. of course, when it stopped flowing, then my ego was like, oh. where did it go? Where, what happened? Like, I want to make more money. That felt so good. That felt so good. And I had that awareness of, ah, uh, I still have this concept that I need money mm. to feel good or to feel safe. And so I had really worked on dissolving it. So when money comes in, it's like, I'm so thankful to help people. I'm thankful to do this work. And I'm thankful that I have the opportunity to continue to do so as opposed to getting excited about the money, because then I have this relationship that there's also like a fear or a lack if it's not there. So that's why I'm saying that positive stories are helpful in the beginning to some degree, but they also contain the opposite within them, which is really where it gets tricky because then you're not actually free. You're just sort of creating different parameters and and brick by brick, you're building more mental suffering for another moment. <laughs> okay, that makes sense. Okay, because like basically a, a label would be like an expectation in a sense, like and like expectations basically lead to like unhappiness. I, I, I've found anyways, like and not in like a bad way. Like I think it's okay to be excited about things like like that's like a, a, a nice thing to feel. But um, I, I found like with some people that are close to me, they seem to attach themselves to um non-eternal things like um like for example money money would be a great example or a job they got or Mm. even like being able to lift a certain amount of weight in the gym like just like anything anything material um 
And I and I learned from Eckhart actually that this is the first guy I learned this from was that when we attach ourselves to anything that's not eternal, then there's always the the chance of it being taken away. And then what happens yes. to us? Yeah, what happens exactly. to us? Because everything material, everything material is just ephemeral by nature. So what happens when, you know, when it gets taken away, then we go with it, you know? So I think that is a powerful story to bring up because I've been there and I realistically, I'm probably still there where I attach myself to material things. And what actually my, a perfect example is uh, my body image issues that I was mentioning before. That's been the, my number one source of suffering, I would say, um, mm. throughout my life. And so attaching myself to this ideal of what my body should look like, and then I'll work out really hard and I'll achieve it, but then I'll go to go on vacation, then I'll lose it, you know, and then like what, and I, and I noticed this during LA when I go on like my classic vacation diet, um, (laughs) and, um, which is just full of, you know, eating out all the time. And I even noticed some old emotions that this was like two days ago that arose. I was like, oh, wow. Like, like my ego really thinks I've been diminished because, because of that. And so, yeah, it's just super funny how the ego work, it makes these tiny little things so freaking big and it seems Mm -hmm. so real for us. Yeah. (laughs) And so like, what I'm, what I'd love for, for myself and for people listening is, um, how do we do that? Like, how do we detach and have that, have that moment of like, oh, like this is just my ego doing this. Like this actually isn't me. Like, and then, and then we can get that sense of peace, which for me, after like four or five hours of traveling, my mind was just thinking about that. I was like completely lost. And Mm. then I, when I finally had that feeling of peace, it was like, oh my God, like, like this is like what actually what life should be like like you know like what life actually is not like this crazy like what am I doing wrong so how do we get that that feeling of peace and awareness well I think you kind of just answered it yourself it's like being able to feel in your body what it feels like to be at peace and then noticing Mm -hmm. when you're constricted when you're tight when you're closing off when you're resisting when you're denying that is the ego so that's the human structure within you that is attached to pain and labels and should and shouldn't and resistance and so it's really about being able to create that awareness of the present moment and your body so that you can sort of feel um sort of like i was saying about the body being like a house and your triggers being like air conditioning coming on so you can feel it so before when i wasn't spending time in my body when i was never fucking present I would be taken over by my triggers so much that it was pretty much my normal. And Mm. I wouldn't be able to tell that there was anything wrong because I deeply believed whatever my mind was saying. So like years ago, yeah. So another silly example, but I love to share these because they're comical of how real it felt. (laughs) I screamed at my boyfriend because he didn't know how to cut an avocado. And we were cooking together (laughs) like two years ago, the beginning of our relationship. And I felt like he was slowing me down in the kitchen and fucking up my Mm -hmm. schedule for the day. And so I wasn't trying to be a bitch. I generally, from my own trauma and emotions and unprocessed things and my inability to be aware and present, really fully believed that story of like, how can he not know how to cut an avocado? It's so fucked up. He's fucking up my day. And so there was no awareness to be like, oh, wow, I just yelled at him about something so small and coming back to the body. It was like, I fully believed it. And that was my reality. So it really is about being able to be present and to create the space between your thoughts and to be able to witness sensations and emotions arising so that you can see here I am at peace and this thought is coming by. Here I am at peace and this sensation is arising. So you begin to understand that 
your true identity is the space behind all of the things that are arising and passing away. Um, and you know, for a while, you're going to jump in and identify with them out of habit and unconsciousness. And that's okay, because in the beginning, the victory isn't about remaining conscious. It's about seeing that you lost consciousness and then returning back to the body. So it is just mm. consistency, 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 yeah, okay. and showing up without judgment, because it's not a personal problem. It's not like Christina's a bitch. It's not anything to do with me at all or my identity. It's unconsciousness. And so when people have judgments on other people, she's mean, she's awful, she's the worst, whatever it is about anyone. It's like, well, that's not really who they are. That's their mm, mind pattern that they're attached so to. Huge. Wow. That is very, very powerful. Wow. It's so, e it's so easy to believe that the thoughts are us. And it's important, I, like, like this is like Eckhart's basic teaching, like, it's not you, dude. Like, it's not you that's screaming <laughs> at it for the avocado. Like, it's yes. your ego. And I think just, yes. I think it just, for me, when I, when I first, like, I've, I read it, but when I first really felt it to my, in, like, in the core of my being that that's actually true, um, a, peace started to arise in places that it had never had before. Uh, when we realized that it's actually, like, it's not you. Like, it's just not, it's, like, something else. Mm -hmm. uh, I think that just brings a lot of peace because it's very easy to beat ourselves up about it because obviously we we can, even if we're we're not, say, spiritual, we can understand that some of our behavior is, like, dysfunctional. And yeah. then and then we start to hate on ourselves. We're like, why do you do this? Like, why am I, like, that yep. classic Twitter meme, like, why am I like this? Um, and, um, yeah, so I, I think that's very important to know. And for anyone who is feeling hard on themselves, I'd like to share with you a very powerful idea that I literally just heard two nights ago that is uh, kind of changed the way I view, I view a few things. And it's a pretty simple principle, but for me, it just hit home. And it was from Tim Ferriss. It was um, to have macro self-love, but micro work. Because mm. he, him and Brene Brown were talking about the fine line between uh, self-love and complacency. Because like we, we should love ourselves, but we don't want to like just sit on the couch all day and do nothing. And you know, like there's like a fine line between being complacent and self-love. So basically his idea was, in the macro, like just to love yourself as a whole, but to actually work towards some progress every day. And if you if you mess up, then like you still love yourself in the macro, even if you're like messing up in the micro. So I think that's cool. a powerful idea. It's macro self love, micro work. Yeah, I thought that was a cool idea to share. I like, um, I like that. Okay, so here's a very important question. I think for a lot of people, especially in the demographic of this podcast, um, is how can we gain the courage and self confidence to change our inner circle to find new friends and to actually have the courage to like say no when people ask us to say like as the classic example to like go party on the weekends when we actually would rather stay in and read an Eckhart Tolle book let's just use this <laughs> oh that's really funny because I was a huge partier ages like 13 to 21 and then I just stopped everything and was like okay I'm ready to evolve now um and, yeah. <laughs> and I go to parties and I'm the person that shows up for like 20 minutes eats all the food and then like sneaks out um I really think that it's sort of something that comes naturally to you as you begin to grow okay. and expand where you know, you don't have to create verbal boundaries with people, but you sort of create energetic boundaries where you honor how you uh, want to feel. So, okay. you know, before I used to kind of feel overwhelmed, like I had to do all these things. I have to go to this birthday party. I have to go to this baby shower. And now I've realized, you know, 
I don't really want to. <laughs> and, you know, if there's somebody who I'm really close with and I want to support, I'll go for a little bit. But I have to honor how I feel that I'm feeling like obligated to do things that I'm not going to feel connected to. And okay. that goes with people, too. Like there have been people in my life that sort of have faded away um, as I've grown. And I haven't really felt responsible as neither are they, to have any sort of conversation. I think it's just what happens when people evolve that you no longer mm. resonate to that certain level. Um, and, you know, there doesn't have to be any animosity or anything. It's sort of just like a natural process when you come into yourself and you're sensitive about your energy and how you want to feel. Okay. Um, you know, that being said, like there are definitely certain people that you're going to have to see in places you're going to have to go that you do. Right. You know, you can't just say, I don't want to to everything. Um, yeah, yeah. And it's about being in your body to hold space for yourself where, you know, you're going to understand your parents probably haven't been doing this work. They may trigger you. Um, yeah. Somebody at work isn't at the same level of consciousness. They may have other opinions and beliefs about things. And you have to really hold your space to honor how you want to feel regardless of who you're hanging out with mm. to really create that sort of energetic boundary. That's very cool. I love I've never really heard thought of it like that like an energetic boundary not like just like a physical like don't talk to me dude kind of boundary you know well, I've never like, had to use one of those before I've just like if I don't love the way that I'm someone's energy is meshing with mine I either tailor my energy so they can I can just match what they're giving or I don't oh, participate with them yeah that's very interesting like matching their energy that's a very interesting point I gotta write that down <laughs> um that's awesome matching their energy um, okay. Cause I, I bring it up personally because I did have like a don't talk to me dude moment, like where I basically said that to somebody not as harsh as that, but it was, I thought I was more thoughtful, but basically that was like the message, how, or how they, <laughs> how, how they took it and kind of how I wanted it to come across. So this, this was me as a more immature guy, like maybe three years ago, but like, this was like kind of when I was like, I really got to like, cause I always felt deep down, I could do something a little bit more. And I just wasn't feeling great because I was in a crazy party phase and was hanging around people, was hanging around people that didn't make me feel the best and brought out my ego a lot more, I realized, year, years later. And so for me, I was just like, I literally just got to like brainwash myself, like put myself in an environment where I have like no negative influences, like just like go deep into myself because like, I don't know, I just, it's just, I felt it's, it felt like it was what I needed to do. And so I had to mm. tell my best friend of like four years at that point, we hung out like four to five times a week, like best, best friends did so many things together. And then it was almost like all of a sudden, like I didn't really le like I'd, I had kind of been faking it for a little bit. And then I finally just like, just said this to him and it was crushing for him, as you can imagine, as like a, someone who's your best friend. So I don't, I wanted to share this story because I don't think I handled it as best as I could. And I find, and I like your idea of just like slowly, like phasing out or matching their energy or like, just like not being a part of it. And, you know, maybe just saying no more often as opposed to like, you know, set, like setting such a harsh boundary of basically like, like, I don't want to see you for like, you know, for the foreseeable future. Because that, that didn't, that didn't make me feel particularly good. And it definitely didn't make the person that I, that I said it to feel particularly good. Although I will say that I think it, it set a harsh enough boundary that it did end up helping me because I basically was a, a recluse for like, you know, a good year just to like go deep into myself, which benefited me greatly now. And, um. But yeah, that it just it's just it was so much negative energy. And I feel like that's never the right decision, you know? Well, that being said, you 
couldn't have shown up any differently than the way that you did show up or else you would have. So there's uh, no, there's nothing wrong with the way you handled it. Um, I've also had experiences, my best friend, not, it wasn't harsh, but I was very overwhelmed by a lot of her unconsciousness. And it just came mm. to a point where I felt like yeah. I, I don't resonate with her anymore fully. And I was, as you were saying, sort of faking it because we'd been best friends all this time. And I felt like feeling a lot of dissonance from her. And so, yeah, I didn't handle it the way that I would have today either. Um, but that's okay. You know, it's not about tying a pretty bow on the past. It's not even about the other person. It's about who you get to become and in, in now that you're free. Oh, wow. Who you get to become now that you're free. I love that. <laughs> and, I, and I think that I think that's a, that's a great point that I actually heard from Robin Sharma, which is you did the best that you could with who you were. Like you did the be- very best that you could. I think that's an important thing. I'm really glad you said that actually for, for, for myself now. I, I kind of forgot about that. And, and I think that it's really nice to know as somebody who's maybe being a little bit harsh on themselves for where they're, where they're at. Like I've heard people recently say like, I just think I got to do something more with my life. And I'm like, like you're, you might just be doing the best you can. And I think that having that realization of I need to do something more is the, is like the start of doing something maybe better for you. And I think that's really cool that you came to that realization. Cause I think we, we do tend to be tough on ourselves. And again, my, the demographic for this podcast is about like 18 to 24. And I think a lot of us find that, or we, we put this unnecessary pressure on ourselves. So I think that just knowing that we're doing the best that we can with who we are now and um, isn't is enough to like kind of get us through the day. So thank you for sharing that. Yeah. I think that's beautiful. Yeah. Um, so um, I, I'm really curious as I kind of asked you this before, but I, I want to like frame it in a bit of a different way. How can we change our behavior so that we can um, naturally respond instead of react presence oh so sorry my answer is yeah, no. the same thing no yeah. people, people send me um questions on my stories every day and i'm like you guys you notice i respond to hundreds of these a day and my answer is always the same thing regardless of the question um yeah. and it's and it's really because i don't believe in concepts and illusions that we attach to and, and like things to do as opposed to like things to learn and um, embody, which is different. So I think it really is about being able to be present to witness when all of that is arising. And the only way you can really do that is by first being so comfortable and being in the present moment that you witness the past arising as it takes you over. So there are a lot of things you can sort of like notice throughout the day when the past is taking you over Um, in examples where maybe you're not having a confrontation with somebody and going deeply unconscious, but like a very small example I used in my digital course that I love using because a lot of people can resonate where you can see the past arising within you. is like if you're at the grocery store and you're going to put your card in and it's like, donate $2 to St. Jude's and you're like, okay, and you accidentally press 20 and then you're yeah. like, oh my God, fuck, I didn't mean to press 20. That's a lot of money, whatever your story is. <laughs> yeah, then yeah. you see the past within you, your idea of scarcity or fear around oh. not having enough money, like, what is that revealing to of how you're reacting in the moment instead of responding? So if I had that experience, oh, wow. then I bring presence into my body. And instead of saying something like, you know, there's plenty of money or I am abundant, whatever. I don't even go into any of that. I just witness, ah, there's the past within me. Come back to the present moment. Yes, $20, sign my name. So it's really about kind of um, creating that have like habitual response to accepting what's arising and being able to see the awareness and then consciously coming back to the body. 
And, you know, there are moments like that all throughout the day. If you're talking to somebody on the phone for something and they ask for your address and then they connect you to someone else who also asks for your address and you're like, I already gave my address to the other person. Like there's so much resistance (laughs) in these little moments where you can notice that's the ego, that's the reaction, that's the past. And so it's not to beat yourself up when it happens. It's just to notice I left the body. I left the body. Okay. Here's my address, breathing through the resistance, breathing through the frustration or the anger and sort of like creating new patterns and pathways in your mind and your body and in your energy. That's, I love that answer. And I I think like even you saying like it comes back to presence, like don't, don't be sorry. You know, like I, I, it's (laughs) funny, like I, I, I had this, I had this conversation with, with one of my friends. And we'll talk for like 30 minutes because we're both kind of like in a similar p- position. He actually is so funny. He just had like some like a, a sort of like an ex existential crisis uh, like last week because um, he he's like read a, a ridiculous amount of books and like especially philosophy. So now he's like, I don't know anything. Right. Like, you know, when you dive so deep into philosophy, you're like, OK, I oh, know. yeah, like, the more you yeah. learn, the more you realize you don't know anything, basically. Yes. And so um, <laughs> um, basically like what we always come to at the end of all our conversations, I, I feel like I always say this after like at like the 30 or 40 minute mark in our conversations. I'm like, dude, I feel like all our problems could be solved if we just live in the present. <laughs> yes, like, that's what I'm like, saying. Yeah. All of them. Every single one. Yeah. That's why it's like the str- you want a you want a step by step guide to everything. It's just be present. Yeah. If that, yeah. If you. Yeah. Yeah, it's so true. It's so true. But it's so funny how easy it is for us to forget that. I guess it's, to me, it's like almost comical sometimes. And actually, a, a little quick thing that I do that might help somebody listening is um, when the ego reacts, just like laugh and like say thank you because you it probably thinks it's protecting you, you know. But um, I just find like it's so comical how easy it is to forget to, to live in the present and to allow our ego to take over. It's very funny. Um, anyways, I'm going to get my, to my last question because we're almost nearing the end of our, our time here. Um, I am so desperate to share share presence with others to just help people like end their unnecessary suffering and to like really enjoy life. I think that we get so blocked in our lives and I've been there, which I think is why I'm so passionate to help others with it. And I feel like I've like really seen the light, you know, like I've really been able to experience a high quality of life and I've been in a place where I've suffered quite intensely and to be where I am today, it just is, I'm just so desperate to share this with others because I know so many of us suffer um, unnecessarily. So what is, what is a way that somebody could get themselves aligned in a, way that, in a way that works for them? And what is a way that we could start practicing this like tonight, like this morning or whenever someone listens to this? Hmm. Aside from saying the same thing I've been saying the whole time. No, you, you can you can say the same thing again. And if and if you do, then I would say maybe like what's a practice somebody could try or what is um like what's a, what's a resource okay. somebody could do, you know, like Yeah. Um I think it'd be really helpful since you know, most people live in their minds and so to say becoming the witness of your thoughts is like, well, what does that mean? Because I lived in my mind for so long that once I was able to start hearing my thoughts, I thought I was going crazy. I thought I had to go to a mental hospital because I had never heard my mind before. I was in it. So I thought (laughs) my thought would come by. It was so quick. I'd identify and I'd start thinking all the things. And of course, I would think like, I'm anxious. I'm depressed. I'm this. I'm that. Because 
those thoughts were me in the moment. Um, right. So when I started to create that space and hear my thoughts, I was like, damn, my mind is crazy and loud. And I didn't even yeah. know because, again, I was in it. So I think a really helpful practice is, um, and they talk, uh, Eckhart talks about this in The Power of Now, um, yes. but it's like looking for the next thought. So he like oh, closing your eyes. I think he says like looking for, it's like a cat looking for a mouse to come out of a mouse hole, I think he says. Um, so this is his practice, but... Basically, oh, cool. he said just to like lay down, close your eyes, and then look for the next thought that comes. Mm. And what that does is it sort of creates this space to realize I'm not the thought and that these thoughts are sort of just being produced and generated. And the only reason that they continue to come is because we're interested in them. So it's like our mind is like an algorithm. So we oh, engage okay. with them. We're interested in them. Um, we keep sort of feeding our energy. And so the mind's like, oh, you like this story about this? Oh, what about this? And so being able to look for your thoughts is really the first step in being able to become aware that you're not your thoughts. So I think in the beginning, look coupling that with breathing is really, really powerful. Yeah, I love that. Looking for the next thought. I've never heard it. I've never heard that before. Looking for the next thought. That's very, that sounds very, very interesting. Yeah. And, and yeah, to couple that with breathing, I could see how that might be a nice way to to start out. Like if someone like has no idea like what we're talking about right now, like even just the idea of like looking for the next thought, like what does that even mean? And I think it might might start or might get our minds going in the right direction. That's really mm. cool. Yeah. Uh, well, that's all the questions I have, uh, Christina. I really want to thank you for coming on today. This is really nice. I can really feel your energy through uh, <laughs> through this. I feel like I can. So I, I encourage uh, everybody watching, I'll have your Instagram um, in the description to check check out her page because I was going through her quotes for a good, you know, 30 minutes um, the other day. And so I think that diving into her world might be beneficial for you because I'm, I'm really feeling the energy. So thank you, Christina, Aww. very much. Thank you awesome. so much. Yeah, it was. Wow, Christina did an amazing job. I was very blessed to be a part of that interview. Uh, I really felt her vibe through, through the audio there, and I hope you guys felt that too. Uh, my biggest takeaway from th this episode was how can we be more curious of our suffering? I think that was such a profound thought that she shared with us. How do we be curious of our own suffering? And for me, it's tough for me to explain that thought because I've only ever experienced it, but I think that's a great takeaway. And also to try her advice which was to start with a breathing technique just to focus on her breath because she did it for a year straight without anything else and that sounds like a pretty powerful path to do so i think even if we start with you know one minute five minutes a day just focusing on her breath it can be very profound for us so if you guys try that let me know i'd love to hear how it went for you i know i'm certainly going to put some more attention to it so that was a nice reminder from her Anyways, thank you, Christina, so much. And thank you all for listening to this podcast. I look forward to providing you with even more value as the years go on. Thank you so much, and I'll see you next time.